If I choose to dance If I choose to grow If I choose to laugh And watch the flow Hello, everyone. Welcome to Music Emerging's Inspiring Talks. I'm your host, Cynthia Brando, and we've got a great podcast for you today with Rigby Summer. So I actually met Rigby online through that class that I was telling you all about on last Sunday's podcast. I'm kind of back in school again, not as intense as being back in school, but I'm taking a couple music classes. And this one class that I'm in I don't know how it happens, but there's an online community. There's lots of people in the class, but I just zoned in on Rigby for whatever reason. I don't know how it works in the universe, but I just kind of picked her out of the class. I was drawn to her and I contacted her and we had this wonderful phone conversation. And I don't even like talking on the phone to anyone really. And it was just a wonderful experience meeting a stranger like that. And having this wonderful connection on the phone and being in the class together. So that's been really great to have met her. And I'm, I'm glad to have her on the podcast. Before I introduce her formally, I do want to say that all the podcasts are archived at musicemerging.com. And if you click on Inspiring Talks, you'll find Podcast. You click on that. And all the podcasts are on there. There's a bunch on there now. They're great to listen to when you're cooking dinner or whatnot. So I hope you enjoyed last week with Dream On. And what else is happening this week? Basically, I've just been working on my music. In this class with Rigby, we ha- our assignment was to write a song in two weeks. I, of course, put it off until the last couple days. And then I busted out a song. And I'm very proud of myself because I don't usually do a song, write a song that fast. So I've just been working on that. And, of course, doing this podcast. So I want to introduce Rigby. I'm actually at her website right now. So go to RigbySummer.com when you get a chance and check out her website. So this is her bio. Rigby Summer weaves an Americana soundscape that reflects the road she's traveled. From her Kansas City jazz upbringing to the beach pop of her former home in Southern California to the red dirt roots of her current home in Stillwater, Oklahoma. While her influence ranged from Mary Chapin Carpenter to The Frames, Sia Furler to Johnny Cash, her sound often draws comparisons to Brandy Carlisle and Lucinda Williams. A little modern, a little old-fashioned, always earnest. In 2017, after a five-year hiatus from performing music, she founded the Monday at Modella Songwriting Pop-Up and the All Music Starts Local Initiative and started sharpening her musical teeth, slowly carving a niche for herself in the Oklahoma scene. Since then, she has had the privilege of sharing the stage with and learning from a myriad of local and touring artists. Production is complete on her first full-length album, Geography, recorded at Naptime Studio in Norman, Oklahoma, with Kyle Reed at the helm. That, I know she said to me, that's coming out soon. She is currently seeking radio and tour promotion, and pending pandemic conditions, the album should be released in 2021. There you go. Released in 2021. And then also I have on this podcast her new music that just came out from Dancing Alone. So enjoy this podcast with my guest, Rigby Summer. 
Hello, Rigby? Yes. Hi, it's Cynthia. How Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to stay warm. Yeah? Is it cold up there? Um, well, it's Los Angeles cold, so you know what that means. Yeah, it's California cold. <laughs> so what, it got down to like 60 degrees today? <laughs> probably not even that. It's probably like close to 70, but if it feels cold. <laughs> Well, one of the most interesting things, I think, is someone that moves, that lived in a place like Los Angeles, which is, of course, is very unique in itself, and then moves to some place like Oklahoma, which must be unique in a totally different way. Now, are you from the Midwest originally? Yeah, I grew up in Kansas, actually. Okay. So, so it wasn't a fucking... complete change from moving from Los Angeles back to the Midwest. No, not completely. But I, uh, I really took to LA. Like, can you hear me? I just switched headsets. Yes. So that hopefully you can hear me. Okay, good. Um, I really took to LA, and I, um, I was very happy there in a lot of ways. But I. Also, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a, it's not an easy place to live. <laughs> right. So did you move uh, to LA from Kansas? Um, I, like my trajectory in my twenties was like, I graduated, I lived in Kansas city for a short time. I moved to Chicago for a summer. I moved to Nashville for a few years. I moved back to Kansas city for a couple years. And then I moved to LA. Okay. So Kansas City is my rubber band city. It's like before <laughs> I go someplace else, I always go back there. Yeah. So. <laughs> and had you ever so. been to Los Angeles before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I had been there. And my aunt took me there for spring break, actually, when I was in high school. And I so it was so ironic because um, I loved the trip. Like, I had a great time. And I have, like, very clear memories from that trip. Um. But I remember coming back and, like, being one of these people who's like, oh, it's great to visit, but I would never want to live there. <laughs> and then, right. Um, when I lived in Nashville, it was so random because I hadn't been back. But for a while, I had this hair for really no apparent reason that I was like, I, I would find myself looking at apartments um, in Santa Monica online. Yeah. I was like, oh, I could, I could, I could move out there. And because of the time... Um, there were still like affordable places to live in West LA. <laughs> yes. It's changed a lot in the um, seven years that I've lived here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so then, uh, in the summer that I moved to Kansas city from Nashville, I had an opportunity to go out to LA, um, for a, for like, just for an event for a few days and just, really started to like love it <laughs> and um uh after I'd only been in Kansas City for I don't know maybe a year or two um I had become closer friends with an acquaintance who lived out there and uh I thought I was going to go out there for a conference but then I just went out to visit him and I extended my trip I planned to stay there for like 
eight days and halfway through, like I extended and stayed for another four days mm-hmm. and I cried when I got on the plane <laughs> and on that trip, um, hanging out with my friend and like getting to know, like that I just, in, in that 10 day span, I got to know this little community of people in West LA and that was the first time that I played any of my songs for anybody. Oh wow! Okay, um, was on that trip. Like you didn't I, you didn't play in only, Nashville? No, I moved to Nashville because that's when um, uh, my whole conscious life I've like tried to avoid the reality that I really wanted to be a musician. Avoid um, the reality. Okay. A- avoid the reality that I really wanted to be a musician because it didn't seem practical. There were all these other things that people knew that I was good at that I got a lot more, um, uh, what's the word I want to think of? But I don't know, like people recognized and so I got more validation from other people. Mm-hmm. For, so that's like rule number one, like stop looking to other people for validation. <laughs> What was and, um, um what was your breaking point? Because I've been there too, where I I also yeah. just ignored. I, I didn't ignore the reality. I still called myself a musician first, but I just never mm-hmm. took the leap. So what was your hmm. breaking point? Part of it was that trip, but I like there were things leading up to it that it was it wasn't it wasn't like just this crashing in breaking point so much as it was like literally like what I was saying is that that it's like I in my conscious life kept trying to fight this thing that I felt and intuited like very deeply in myself and meanwhile all of my circumstances like every decision that I made trying to like adjust for the thing that I really wanted just brought me back to where I deep down knew I wanted to be but didn't want to admit because it's foolish. Like mm-hmm. you're not cool enough to be, I mean, all of the imposter crap, <laughs> the imposter syndrome stuff. So when I moved to Nashville, this was in the period of life known as like, I think that I will, uh, cause I'm not good enough to be a musician myself. It's just this thing that I don't even tell other people I want to do. I just do it in the quiet of my four walls. Since I'm not good enough, I'll be happy if I can just go work in the industry and I'll help other people because I have spreadsheet skills Okay. and people value my spreadsheet skills. So So it was kind of a kind of a step in a direction of music, but not real. It was pretty much the same thing as not doing music. Right. Right. Well, I was miserable because it was even worse because I'm surrounded by all these like (laughs) insanely talented people who were my age or just a little bit younger, I fell back backwards into this, like, again, like, amazing community of people that, like, you can move anywhere in Nashville and rent your apartment from anybody, but I rented an apartment from somebody that, like, somebody else was like, oh, you just moved here? You need a place to live? I was was visiting a church, and this girl was like, oh, my friends over here just renovated a room behind their house that they have for rent. Like, you should meet them. And that couple is still, like, they're still some of my dearest friends. Like, we've been friends for years now. But um, he was a touring musician, and she worked for a studio. And they just introduced me to all of their friends. So, like, I ended up at parties um, where, like, 
they're like cool house parties but then once all the like quote unquote normal people left <laughs> and all the musicians were left um were all that remained like the guitars would come out and like like it was the first time like first experience I had like that where there was like the party and then there was the after party where like 30 just incredible face melting songwriters just passed the guitar around for hours and I remember driving home with my friend at dawn and just being like where have I moved like this is amazing <laughs> but but so but I, you never but you didn't play your songs like even in, in oh, even no, in a no, song no. circle oh no absolutely not <laughs> so you were no, just totally I intimidated was, by the talent there I was totally intimidated by the talent I was barely getting my sea legs as a, as a songwriter then and the value in that was that in everything else in my life like I am a I'm a go-getter. Like, I've always been a type A. Like, I set a goal and I go do it. That's the irony of all of this. <laughs> um, but what was brilliant about that is that it created a situation where instead of, in my early 20s, being thrust into this environment, feeling like I had to feed my ego by, like, being the loudest voice in the room, I just listened. And I was miserable because I desperately wanted to be part of it, but I just listened and I soaked it up and I... I like studied and I learned from listening mm, and I think yeah. that that can be hard to do when you're trying to like make your mark in the creative communities, you know, it can be really easy to be like, I've got to throw my ego around and be the most important blah, blah, blah. So, um, so yeah, I, I really value it and I value, I value like being forced partially from my own ridiculousness like I, I was I was creating my own prison I was creating my own pain but like being forced right. to listen through that was so valuable because I wasn't listening with the intention of like oh that's a great song I should play this song off of that song it, it was like just closing my eyes and like absorbing these phenomenal talents Hard. Wanted 
What age were you when you moved back to Kansas City from Nashville? Um, well, let's see. I was like 25 or so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so um, I started working like quote-unquote grown-up jobs and also started playing my guitar more. Because um, I started the oldest songs that I wrote that I kept I wrote while I was living in Nashville. And it's such a great like Nashville song in my opinion <laughs> um, and it's actually on my record it's coming out next year um, oh, so cool. I kind of love that but um, yeah so I, I a huge turning point was I went to um, Walnut Valley Festival and a big bluegrass festival in Winfield, Kansas um, like that following fall with a group of friends and these, a lot of these people I'd known like since college but um, I didn't know that, like, one friend had, like, started to play bass, and another friend was really getting great at guitar, and some of them were, were starting to learn covers and stuff. And we ended up just in a jam circle in the campground at, at Winfield. And there was this core group of, like, four of us that realized, like, we really loved playing and singing together. Like, our voices blended well, and we just, you know, we were great friends anyway. And so we started getting together, I don't know, maybe like once a week for the rest of that year, um, just to play covers. Like we, we were, um, like all fans of like the same random music that hardly anybody else knew. <laughs> so we were listening to like Paige France and the frames and Anathalo and like, um, some of these indie bands and learning their songs and playing them together. And that just fueled my writing, but I still wasn't playing any of them for them because they didn't want to play original yeah. songs. They wanted to play these covers. And, um, but it got me ready for that trip to LA a year later. Um, when 
I finally, like, my friend was like, well, play me one of your songs, and I did, and he was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and every friend that we hung out with the rest of that time I was there, to come back to the L.A. story, every time we went to go hang out with some of his friends, he was like, bring your guitar, and I'm like, what? He's like, bring your guitar. And it would, we'd be hanging out with, like, two of his friends, and he'd be like, okay, she's going to play a song for you now. Like, we, you have to hear the song. And I'd be like, okay, this is not awkward at all. <laughs> I'd play a song, and all of his friends were like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not doing anything with this? And I was like, no, you guys are the first people to hear these songs. And they were like, you need to come do this. Like, you you need to, to move out here. If you decide you want to you wanna come out here and give it a go, like, we'll make sure that you have a place to stay and help you get situated, and we'll come to your gigs. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, okay. And why, so you did. I? So I did, and it was good because, as you know, L.A. is a place where you can totally – just be whoever you want to be. And it's surprisingly and welcoming. It's amazingly supportive. welcoming. Like, everybody that I worked with at my day job, uh, like, we were all working at this bakery um, in Brentwood, but, like, coming from my Nashville experience where everybody was like, oh, like, you felt like you were getting looked up and down anytime you said you were, if you said you were a, you worked for a booking agency or you were a songwriter or whatever, like people kind of give you the side eye, like, hmm, we'll see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and then it was like, you could tell they were summing you up, trying to figure out if you could get them something. And if you couldn't, like they moved on to the next person. But in LA, I show up at this bakery and I'm working with all these creatives. It was screenwriters and, musicians and songwriters and comedians and like everybody and when they'd be like well what do you do and I'd say oh I'm a songwriter they'd say oh cool like I would love to hear your music you know we're writing this short film like I'd love to hear your music maybe we can use it you know they it was just such a dynamic um, environment compared to what I had experienced in Nashville. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist in places in Nashville. And probably part of it was my own right. negative energy when I lived in Nashville. Like, I will own that. But, uh, and there are people that I love still, like dear friends of mine in Nashville. But my, my experience in those two cities that often get compared to one another is like wildly different. <laughs> so, yeah. But so you, you were in Los Angeles and probably gained a ton of experience that you took back with you when you moved back to the Midwest to Oklahoma. So right. cut, cut to now, like how, how has these experiences that you had musically in your youth translate to like the mature person you probably are now from having those experiences? And maybe, um, I mean, maybe you, I don't know if you are just a, a nomad or you feel more settled now in Oklahoma or what's that like for you? Well, um, I am still kind of a nomad, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, at heart for sure. I, I've, I've been in Oklahoma for quite some time now. Um, and I, I, I was married for a while. That was what my emphasis was for moving back to the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, it's like everything has just been, building on the next thing, even in the very long, sad season when I had, like, I moved to Oklahoma, married, like, absolutely the wrong guy. Like, oh, gosh. A whole other, like, we could do a whole podcast or 12 <laughs> on that. But it got me here, 
And I had to go through another period musically that felt like that time in Nashville where I knew that there was good music in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an incredible hotbed for singer-songwriters. You wouldn't think so, but it's there's an amazing songwriter community here. There is something in the water in Oklahoma because it's not just like, oh, there's a lot of people who are doing it. Like, there are a lot of, like, over-the-top great songwriters here. <laughs> um, and I didn't know how to access that. And I, like, I hadn't yet overcome fully, like, the imposter syndrome and, like, my lack of confidence in what I was doing. And I didn't know how to face resistance. If you've ever read The War of Art, like, I didn't know how to handle that. Mm. Um, and so I just put it away and I was like, well, I guess I'm an old married lady now. And, like, old married ladies don't, like, run around playing music all the time. So I guess I'm just going to succumb to that. But I kept doing... February album writing month about every pretty much every year and so I would have these little bursts of creativity and like jobs that I was totally happy at I still always was thinking about music <laughs> and um in 2017 when I I hadn't played out regularly pretty much since the year that I moved back here so it had been a good like five or six years or so since I was playing out regularly. Um, this weird like conspiracy of events happened <laughs> to get me back into the game where um, very long story short, I tried out for a play, would have been cast, but I messed up my contact information because I was so nervous when I did it that they couldn't reach me to cast me. But that play would have been the two weekends that sandwiched the Folk Alliance Conference, the International Folk Alliance Conference in Kansas City. Yeah. And I was given the opportunity to go for free that year, which is a whole other long story. And a friend of mine was coming down to go to the conference, and he was just insistent. He's like we're going to play a show when I come down. And I'm like, I don't know where, like nobody here knows that I make music. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and so I ended up, um, days before he was coming, like three days before he got here. Um, my friend was getting ready to open an art gallery in downtown Stillwater, the town where I live. And it was still under renovation. Like there was a massive hole in the floor. Like it was, dirty, it was a mess, it was a construction zone, but she was like, if you want to use this space, you can, and so we, like, called it a pop-up, and yeah. I promoted it for all of, like, three days, and it got picked up by the local Convention and Tourism Bureau, and they were like, look at this cool thing that's happening downtown, and I was like, nobody even knows that I make music, I have friends that are calling me, and they're like, what is this about? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, it's out of sheer curiosity, like, 20 people showed up on a rainy night in February to hear us play, and it was magical. And the next day, I went to my first Folk Alliance conference, and I was trying to only be there for a couple days because I thought I had more important things to do back home, and I lost my, my ride back home, so I had to stay for the whole thing, <laughs> and... By the last night, I was just walking around, like, listening to music and meeting people and just crying because it was, like, 
I I was a dried up sponge that was about to crumble and fall apart, and somebody just like dunked me in water. So and you, you found uh, you found your people and your environment. Yeah, well, and it was it was partially finding my people in that I went to Folk Alliance where you will see people of all shapes, colors, sizes, genders, genres, everything, um, doing the thing in their way at different levels. And um, I was like, I'm not the best. I don't have to be the best, though. I've got, even with my lack of practice, I'm like, I feel like I have a pretty firm hold, like in the middle of the pack here. Like, I think I have something to bring to the table. And um, I just realized all of these lies I've been telling myself for years were just baloney. And I, you know, I could continue to live in fear or I could, like, embrace this thing and realize that there's a way to do it. And so I went home and we started, like, officially started a concert series at that art gallery. I'm still on the board there now. And um, until COVID, we were... We were doing a singer-songwriter in the round thing once a month that I hosted. Um, I, from that, I just used it as school. Like, I invited all of my new favorite Oklahoma songwriters to play with me. And I, every month, I had to prepare and practice so that I would be able to hold my own next to these people. And then during the event, I'm getting to sit on stage with three of like the best songwriters I could come up with to play together um, and learning from them and listening and asking them questions and learning about their stagecraft. And um, then ultimately, as I continued to get better, like people started being like, well, like we have never even heard of you. Like, how did you start this thing? And where do these songs come from? Like, how did you just move to Oklahoma? I was like, no, I've been here for, <laughs> seven years <laughs> and they're like where have you been that's dumb <laughs> that's so great with within the year with the end like that was the beginning of 2017 by the end of 2017 needless to say my marriage was over like I was kind of like catapulted into doing the thing and I started getting paying gigs like within six months of that starting. And that had never happened before. Like, you know, in in LA, like I wasn't getting paid for doing anything. And so um, within a year, I had booked my first tour. And um, last year I spent, granted I spent the summer working in Wyoming, but I spent almost the entire year on the road last year and was ready to like totally bang it up. And I was gonna be in the black this year until COVID happened. Right, right. It's been really great hearing about your journey and um, where you're at now. It sounds like you've got a really good thing going on in Oklahoma. Um, And you're doing a new album or a single now that you have Um, coming out? Well, yeah, this this month, actually, I have an EP coming out. The single, the lead single that came out on November 5th. Um, and that's the title single. The project's called Dancing Alone. Okay. And it's um, it's five cover songs that I thought were really appropriate for kind of a, I call it like the antidote to the holidays or like non-holiday holiday music. Oh, so that's for me like then. That is for me. Long December, <laughs> Counting Crows, um, Merle oh, Haggard, cool. um, 
if we make it through December. Yeah, so good stuff. But then my debut full-length album will come out next year. Well, okay. awesome. It was so great talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me. Yes, of course. All right, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
that was Rigby Summer with the title track from her new EP called Dancing Alone. And you can find that on her website. Go to rigbysummer.com, R I G B Y summer.com. And she just released that. I got mine in the mail a few days ago. And it's a collection of cover songs. It's perfect for the holidays. The song that you heard previously was If We Make It Through December. So again, thanks for tuning in to this Music Emerging Inspiring Talks. Again, you can go to the website at musicemerging.com, click on Inspiring Talks, click on Podcast. All the podcasts are archived there. There is also a donation link. So any donations go towards music projects and is greatly appreciated. And you're going to tune in next week, I hope, because my guest is Siege. He's an awesome singer-songwriter. And I just want to say that the intro music and outro music is my song called Watch the Flow. A work in progress, but it's coming along. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Take care, and I will see you next time. Just watch.